Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. Season 2, Higher Balance Classics, Timeless Teachings. Rebel Guru Radio is sponsored by Cramp Medic, the most powerful cramp fighting supplement on the market. I think it's an excellent product. I can honestly say for myself, and this is of course uh, difficult to say because it's coming from me, but I hope you take my word on it. I don't think there's anything out there better than Cramp Medic for leg cramps. I used to get them on a near daily basis, maybe every couple days. I know that uh, when I had my motorcycle or bicycle, uh, my legs would be the worst. I would wake up in the middle of the night in pain. Uh, there have been times where I've thought about maybe I should go to an emergency room. Since I've used Cramp Medic, I probably use one serving and I will not have to reach into using this again probably for two, two and a half weeks. That is more than double what I felt was the recommended like once for every seven days. That's how effective. I do think that people need to use it for two to three times to build up somehow in your in your system. We have mainly all positive reviews. Apple cider vinegar is what is going to reduce, you know, acid buildup in your muscle tissue very rapidly. Cayenne pepper is going to expand your capillaries to move that blood into those tight cramping muscles that just do not want to let blood in there to soften it. It is very, very effective. It is going to get in there. Electrolytes very fast. It's going to do the job. It's just a great product. And that's what I have to say about it, crampmedic.com. The other thing I wanted to say is the Higher Balance Institute store, HBI, or higherbalance.com. We've worked very hard at reducing and slashing the pricing, trying to keep it as a mainstay price forum. Uh, People have said over the years it's too expensive for them and they can't afford it. Uh, I don't know what the next excuse is going to be because it is extremely affordable. Um, We're doing our best to do that. Having Cramp Medic, finding other stuff to maneuver around so we can keep this thing going uh, has allowed us to bring those prices down. Uh, We do have a lot, a lot of material, a lot of classes that are really excellent, I feel. you know, going probably for several dollars, some of those classes, uh, probably at least 70, 80% off of what we charge, maybe even more. Uh, one thing we may do is maybe change around in the store, like uh, uh, bi-monthly or something, which modules we're offering, because there's so many, I think people get lost in it. So if there is something you want, I strongly suggest you grab it before we start moving it around, but it will come available again. It just may take six months to a year before the, all those other ones start arriving. Uh, back for availability and we're going to start taking down some probably to try to keep some organization to just the the bulk of uh, information there which I'm very proud of Um, so that's what I have to say on that please check out Higher Balance Institute uh, you know or higherbalance.com and uh, support Higher Balance please get uh, and try out uh, cramp medic for family, friends, anybody who has leg muscle problems or any kind of muscle problems in particular It, it truly is the best product out there no foams no creams you don't have to run to the bathroom if you're working at the office to put on foams on your leg by pulling on your pants and trying to get to your legs uh no need for tablets one shot seven days phenomenal if you are interested in acquiring eric pepin's books visit higherbalancebooks.com
Welcome to the Higher Balance Expansion Module, Dimensions. So uh, this is uh, class two, and it's going to be on dimension walking. So another thing that I want to mention is uh, what I call a Mandela. Uh, different people have different concepts of the Mandela. But uh, my concept of Mandela is something that you guys will always remember. And a Mandela is, for me, is when I, and of course my, my, my perspective on it, is by giving you a certain amount of knowledge is kind of like a, a ball. And the ball of knowledge grows and attaches itself to other thoughts and ideas that you have so that you can fully comprehend things that you couldn't figure out before. It's like a key. So Mandela is all knowledge that attaches to my Kind of. It's mental, though. It's, it's, it's me teaching you what I'm teaching you now is Mandela, because everything is really incomplete. Um, by giving you this knowledge, you'll apply this thinking to things that you've thought of before, or reflected on before, or heard of before, but you never fully grasped it, or you never got as much out of it as you do all of a sudden now with this newfound knowledge. So you can apply this new thinking or this new knowledge to a topic that you knew something of before, and all of a sudden it takes on an entire new panoramic view of, of insight. Um, for instance, you might, I might say to you, well, the planet is a living organism in space, and that everything is a microcosm versus a macrocosm, a larger and a smaller. Planet. By reflecting on the concept that the planet is a living organism, your body is a living organism with micro-beings, if you will, you might say, as a Mandela form, you might think now of the entire solar system as being a microcosm to something like that, an entire universe, and so forth and so on, until you get to the total body of God, being all the stars and planets and solar systems, being no different than your liver and your kidneys and various cellular structures in your own body having cycles. So that's a Mandela, is when you can, can take some kind of knowledge and now apply it to other thinking, you can expand it and even double and triple your knowledge by applying it. Do you follow me? So it's something to keep in mind. It's, uh, it's a way of teaching you guys without even being there. You, you start to learn from, from other knowledge. It, starts, it just keeps growing. Um, and you'll find that that's the, uh, the case with that. Uh, we decided to, to do dimension walking and stuff like that as far as uh, this class goes. If I can muster up the will or interest to, to keep myself rolling on it. Did anybody have any questions from the last time we had a class? No one had any um, questions? I have all these different theories. Of sure, shoot. When you're going, when, when you die, yeah, you, you're going through that tunnel. And uh, what was my, I had a question. I had a you told me that you could either dissipate, um, have conscious, be conscious of holding yourself together, or unconsciously just be swept with the nature of things. Okay, you want me to elaborate on that? <coughs> okay, after you go through the tunnel, which is basically a brain death scenario, okay, you are either going to A, exist outside of your body, which means that you are capable of creating a soul or the belief in a soul, and the soul now is going to move forward from your body. It's going to exist outside of your body. Assuming that, like you'd be one of the people that I'm teaching, obviously, you, you, let's say you were able to do this. Uh, what happens at this point is, is that there are energies. It's like a cosmic array of energies moving throughout the universe. And, and like 
an ocean, and you're going to be like a bottle because you've learned to develop your soul. It doesn't necessarily mean you've learned to maneuver and, and will yourself to, to different destinations. You're, you're as clumsy as a child would be, but at least you're, you have buoyancy outside of your own physical body. I would expect that you don't have it for a very long period of time, there's a chance. It means that your body is going to drift or, or whatever, but it's going to be naturally attracted to the next womb or whatever is giving birth. Okay, and you will enter into to a new vessel, I think. This is your standard concept of reincarnation, abbreviated, of course. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, speak. Yeah. Well, we're wasting time now discussing whether you're going to interrupt or not. So just say it. All right. Um, so whatever you're naturally attracted to is the next lesson you need to learn in that way, right? So like you'll be at a higher. Not necessarily. I think it's a little overrated to say that your your life is dictated by, you know, such a complex theme as to, well, the next thing he needs to learn is, is, is humility, or the next thing he needs to learn is whatever. I think it's just random chance, and you get out of life what you get, until eventually, if you live so many of them, you're perfected. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't think that it's, it's, it's going to specifically say, well, he needs to feel what it is to be wealthy, or he needs to feel what it is to be poverty. It's just random chance where you end up where you end up, and, and circumstances of life is what you get out of life. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't think it's, it's very specific as to where you end up. I, I think this is more Hollywoodish in, in thinking. You know, it's, it's more fictional. Um, Alright, when it exits, uh, does it go into the so-called astral realm, you know, like dimensions, I think? Or it stays on the same, on the same plane of existence? As the sure. Realm? Well, you got to keep in mind this, is that energy moves at a higher frequency than we move. Okay, so therefore, you you are not really fully aware of the presence of entities, and there's very few of them. It's not like what you would imagine. Um, so because they move at such a frequency, they're they're inaudible and inexperiencing to us. We're not able to experience them as easily. Maybe to you guys, but not for me. But in either case, so they're they're like at a vibratory level. Now, that's not an astral plane, and it's not an ethereal plane. It's this dimension, or a dimension that coincides, but not one that I would call the actual astral dimension. Um, I think that reality changes a little. Um, we're going to jump to that now, aren't we? You're going to do it again. Um, is there an astral plane? Not necessarily. I think that an astral plane can either be another dimension or most likely I think that so many people have misconstrued the concept of an astral plane or made claims of being able to project an astral plane. Um, I would strongly say that it's very likely it's an inner plane. And what I mean by that is it's, it's one of your own imagination. Um, I think a lot of people refer to the astral plane and have no clue what the real one is. Um, good. Come on, hurry up. It's a state of, of being, right? It's a state rather than an actual... It's, a, it's an imaginary it's concept. It's an imaginary world rather than actually projecting outside of your body. But do you think that there's like levels... Well, I think as, as we evolve, our vibrations get higher so that, I mean, the astral... There are other dimensions, but it's the astral plane has been described in so many different ways. If I just generically say, oh, yes, there's an astral plane... I told you before, and the, the first time we had a class, I said, I always must be very specific with you. That's how you're going to always have absolute knowledge, okay? And what I'm saying to you is that most people, when they say astral plane, in my opinion, have never really done astral projection in their life, okay? True astral projection is the ability to leave your body and physically see this dimension, 
okay, physically be able to move to another room or above and read something or have some kind of ability that is co-septically co here. If you can do that and prove it, okay, or sh demonstrate that, and then you tell me you go to some other dimension also, I'll accept whatever you have to say. But 99.9% .9 of people who project can never project fully into this, this dimension. They're always talking about this other place that they're at that's like this, this world of imagination. Whatever they imagine is what it is, and therefore I don't believe it to be true projection. Um, so in either case, when and, and projection is very different than your soul leaving your body. Astral projection is you have energy, okay? This energy you must accumulate. When you accumulate a quantity of energy, you can do something. You, you need fuel in order to create or to make something happen outside of yourself. Do you follow me? Low on fuel, you're, you're, this is it. You're grounded. Okay. The more fuel you have, the more prana, the higher tonal, the higher resonating Okay. you are, the more that you can do things. So what astral projection really is, and this is a whole bunch of crap about a silver cord and leaving your body and all this stuff. This is not the soul that's leaving. You're, you are still... 100% aware of your environment. You're just kind of like dumbfounded a little bit, you know, insensitive to your environment. You're still here, and if somebody startled you, 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 you your senses would come up, okay? But what you're really doing is it's, it's like taking this energy this, and balling it into a ball and letting it float out. And what it's doing is it's the same exact frequency that you are. All of us are, are a completely different frequency than another one. It's like a radio station. And it's like a probe. And you're sending this probe out, and it's sending you pictures constantly, so fast that I would even say it's faster than the speed of light because it's dimensional. Okay, it can fold space and time, so you could be a million light years away, but instantaneously know what you're seeing. Okay, if this form of energy is is dissipated somehow, you might go. It's like a loss. You feel like a, a loss, like you're exhausted. Okay, but not a physical exhaustion, but very similar. You might confuse it with that. But no harm can come to you. It's just that that energy has been dissipated somewhere. So you can create more of it and send another one. But astral projection is sending a willful form of energy. It is another form of sensory. Sensory eyesight. Sensory hearing. Sensory taste. Touch. Smell. All of those things are sensories. We are not limited to just the ones that we think we're limited to. We have other senses. We just haven't tapped them. Um, I'll, I'll explain to you. I mean, an elephant can travel three, four, five hundred miles and find a small pool of water that they've likely never been to. Yet, they know where the pool of water is. And I'll tell you how. Because they're projecting their thought outward like a probe to find the water, and then they're just following the mental pathway that they visually see in their head. Um, this, is, this is all a form of sending forth energy. I think the older teachers really didn't have this advanced knowledge. They, they, they understood it as being a form of consciousness and they assumed that if they could sense or see something similar result that that must be the soul. It's not. The soul can never leave the body unless it's death. Um, the soul is, is probably so interweaven in with the physical body that it goes beyond any form of explanation. Um, your energy is, is contained into this physical body and it's very interesting to say is, is how this is so. You have two forms of energy. You have your, your, your soul, which is physically meshed in with this physical body, and you have what would be considered an artificial gravity, if you will, an artificial energy that's created by eating foods and electrons and whatever, because 
that's your first basis of life. Remember, you don't naturally have a soul to begin with. It has to be created. So the foods that you take in are energy. You have electricity running through your body back and forth. You have electrical thoughts. You have an electrical field around your body. That's not your soul at first. You create the soul, and the soul is kind of like Velcroed in. It's like oil and vinegar again. It's, it's like contained within here because it's, it's just meshed. It's, it's blended together as one unified thing, but yet there are very two different things. Okay? Again, everything that you can look at the universe or nature, you will find similarities in the body. Remember I always said that God is matter and energy, and that we are made in his, in his image. We have a soul, we have energy, but we're also very physical in matter, so we're two coexistences. Again, the Mandela of this is that there's a repetitive concept of this thinking. It's this this format, this this engineering of concept, which is brilliant. It's used over and over and over again. It's just a matter of how you apply yourself. In essence, the soul is formed or given birth from this energy in your body, and it's coexistent. When the body dies, the soul is so impulsively connected to the physical body. Um, the body has to stop producing. It's kind of like an engine, like an alternator creating electricity. Okay, The alternator literally has to stop. Everything has to stop producing this base electricity or energy, which is death. The heart stops pumping. The, the energy fields in your body stop, you know, whatever. And like a TV, you know, it's like in computers, they'll say to me, well, Eric, even though you unplug the TV or the computer... Don't go messing around with it for a few minutes. Let the electricity drain. And then, then after a while, you'll, you'll, there's nothing contained left in there. So the body dies, but it takes moments still for this energy field to collapse. When it collapses, the soul now all of a sudden can just leap forward. There's nothing pulling it back into it. Do you follow me? So it's, it's like an interfiber that holds it in until there's a complete collapse of this electrical field coexisting with it. And that is really when your when your soul leaves the body. But if there's any electricity, any energy left in it, it, it will not leave. It's it's like anchored in, even if it's a minute level. It's just such a perfect blend of, of to perfect tonal that it, it, it compels you. So even if you start to leave where they start to say people have these out of the body experiences, it's the energy contorting, you know, and their awareness is seen. Is it's still the, a the shockers, the jumpers. What do you know about no, 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 no. The, the, the thing that you see, uh, the, uh, for the, the heart, use, yeah. right? Well, it's electricity, and it makes the heart start. So when the heart stops, you still have the electrical field holding the soul in and making the brain still. In. It's like energy's still there, but there's no alternator making more current. It's just what's the fluidity of what's left. They jumpstart the heart. The heart starts pumping again, creates blood, it creates the mechanism. It's like an alternator. You got to get gas. You know, you turn it over. It creates. Your, your reaction coexisting to create generation of electricity. The heart has to pump in order to create the electricity to fuel itself to pump more and whatever. And you have it. It's a machine. I mean, literally, it's what it is. And so then the energy field builds and it draws you, your awareness back and it pulls your soul back tight in again if you have one. Got it? So if you haven't built a soul... Then you go through the tunnel, you're still alive, it's, the body isn't functioning, but there's that remnant of energy still left, so the brain is the last thing to use it. And then what it's doing is it's giving you this experience of the tunnel and whoever you want to see and whatever else, and then when the energy finally drains and you're like all happy, it goes blink, and it's it, it's over, it's done, you're through, there's nothing left of consciousness. 
your energy simply dissipates from your body back into the into the environment. Does that help to answer your questions at all, Jason? Um, so that's that's the importance of. Excuse me. So. not just about experiencing, which right. is one of the, the main things. It's about your experiences are the accumulation of your consciousness, your soul. I mean, soul is energy. So you're working out your own progression with life. It's your therapy. Therapy. I mean, I say, well, I like to cook. What do I like to cook? Because when I cook, it's like therapy. It works out my frustration. My mind is, is intensively on something. I'm creating something. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm like letting my mind unwind. Well, Life, 80 years of life, is therapy for the soul. You see, a soul is immortal, so 80 years is, is, is like cooking dinner one moment. But it's how you use it. It's how you use it. So your, your therapy is life as you evolve, as you grow, as you take in more. You experience life. You work out your inner problems. As you adapt to bigger problems, you work those out too. It's like kneading dough. And in the end, you cap it all off. And that is your own personal hell or your own personal heaven. You 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 work out the last things that you need to work out within your own willfulness. Your own soul feels incomplete, and so it speeds up time for a moment to kind of tie off all the loose ends. And that's what that moment of, of death scenario is, in my opinion. That's your either your hell or that's your heaven. Does that does that answer yeah. your question? Because um. if it doesn't, you know, just. No, it, it does. I, I just know that there's there's more to it, and I, I don't have the, the words in my head right now that, to ask you. Re-ask re your question. Um, a way to start developing the soul is to shed guilt and, and anger in you from this life. Okay. Does that, let me, let me that, give more then, okay? okay? I don't believe that by shedding guilt, it necessarily is good, okay? Let me explain. I think that the concept of Shiva, okay, which is destruction, okay, from destruction comes a recreation of life. It's just a new form of life. You can't destroy anything. You can only recreate it. I believe that you have to have frustrations or, or confrontations or confliction in order to stimulate your mind into 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 therapy into to resolving those issues. So you, you must have this 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 confliction or these problems to be purely nullified of all of them. Um, to me it's good. I mean you would want to hope at the end you're you you know that you're at some level at peace with yourself. I mean and I'm talking realistic confliction, I'm not talking like mass murder or something. Um, but there is a hand in hand need for it. I don't necessarily think you'll 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 have sins or, or you, you'll make yourself go through hell over most issues, but you do need certain confliction for your your growth as a human being. To have none means no growth. 
I mean, again, we can use a Mandela and reflect on life. Uh, every single living thing that I can think of on this planet must have confrontation or confliction or, or something to stimulate life or growth or, or anything. Everything must have a, a battle to exist or a willfulness or challenge to move to a higher progression. Does that help at all? This is definitely open forum. Don't worry about the main topic. We'll get to it sooner or later. So, like a, a simple way of saying that would be like a little kid who's drawn to touch a stove, but never touched a stove before, and he's so drawn and just wants to touch a stove. And once he finally does, after that, after feeling that pain burning his hand, even though his parents told him not to do it, he learned not to touch a stove. Right. It's it's unfortunate that he learned that way because not all of us have to learn. We're smart enough to say, eh, I think it'd be painful. Um, but sometimes you, you have beings or souls or brains or whatever that, that just really don't compute, and they need that direct competition, even though it does damage to the body, even though it could lead to death, I mean, certain infections and such. It's it's their way of working that confrontation out of, of growth. I mean, the, the brain is very stubborn. It's saying, I don't believe. Or, or it's saying, I don't compute. And you've got to keep in mind, there are a lot of mental illnesses also, you know, where where, I mean, there's compulsiveness and everything else. Somebody was watching something with me about compulsiveness where this girl was washing her hands over and over and over again until they almost bled because her brain would not get the right realization. So, I mean, it's a mental problem. So you always have to keep in mind, one of the biggest things I stress to anybody I teach paranormal stuff to is that the brain is a machine. It's like a car engine. If it's not working right, it doesn't mean it's a paranormal thing. It means that it's, it's the functioning of the equipment. So always weigh very carefully before you pass a supernatural statement on something versus something that can be very logically passed. In most cases, a lot of things can be logically you know, resolved. Oh, don't you hate those silent moments? Anyway. Go ahead. Let's hear that. That's a rather simple one. Um, you were talking about astral projection. You were saying... Uh, how it holds time, space, and all that stuff. Um, when you're out there, it probe directly relays perspective comes from whatever. Um, so does it do that, or or does it, or and does it? As soon as it returns, instantly downloads everything within micro nanoseconds. You know, both cases. Right. I mean, for me personally, and, and of course you're asking heavier questions here, Matt. So you should be doing these things. Um, you should know better. <laughs> Anything you say at this point. Um, by the way, Matt's probably had almost every one of those classes. So, you see, this is the product of my genius. Now you guys want to go home, right? <laughs> Doesn't look good. Um, several things happen. A, you get a certain quantity of pertinent information. What I mean by that is, is I may see a world die. I may see a world to give birth to. Okay, Those are pertinent. In other words, Important knowledge comes to me from having these mental probes all the way out in like deep regions of space. But after a while, you you recall these probes. It's almost like you can tell that they're they're at a point where they need to be refueled. It's not that they can't take more knowledge. There's no limit to absorbing knowledge, even though knowledge is, is energy. I guess there's a there's a certain quantity that the energy can consist and format into something before it starts to 
feed on its own energy that's making it exist. So it, it almost you almost have to recoil this quantity. And yes, you download it, but the downloading is so immense of the human brain, I mean, that it's painful in some cases. I mean, from headaches, nosebleeds, to migraines, to whatever. You almost have to digest it over months and months and months. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's, it's basically realizations. You just all of a sudden start to just know intensive things. And uh, that's from the, the recalling of this kind of information. But it doesn't, you just don't instantaneously know. It's kind of Which like is the lotus, absorbed. Right. Hmm? Which is the lotus, the crown chakra, right? Right. Does that help? So, did I have kind of a, a, an experience of astral projection? Like, remember my story at Palmer Brewing? And I started visualizing my energy and gaining energy and sending it out and visualizing the land around me. And all of a sudden, I knew exactly what off ramp, exactly where the gas station was. But that's not this. Well, that's because it, it's not gas mainstream after Okay, see, we're gonna go down this route now. That's my look. See what you started. Um, this is why I say you guys should have to keep your mouth shut. Anyway, the point is, is that there are many forms of astral projection. We, we must not just say throw the term around astral projection or that's astral projection. Because there's such a variety of projecting that it's very important to know the differences so that you can yield the, the most out of that experience and do it over and over again. What you likely did is is called mass assimilation. Because you didn't necessarily say that you, you were like hovering and seeing things. You just seemed to have known where to go. It's like you somehow had the data. It was like almost like you'd been there before, but you hadn't been. And you're not saying it was a deja vu, you just really just knew where everything was. Math simulation is to say that energy has no limit. In other words, a pool of water, which is an Olympic-sized pool, let's say, for Olympic training, massive, probably as big as this building, okay? You can swim on the other end without fear. But if I was to drop some electrical cords in the far off distant end into the water, the water is likely to become purely electrified, correct? And if you were to stick your foot in the other end, way down on the other side, you'd probably become electrocuted, correct? So the energy consumed every square inch of this of this water without having any other wires connected to it. You assimilated by taking almost an entire town area in by letting your energy connect to the grid. I felt the car, like I was the car. That's right. I felt the freeway, exactly. The trees. I, I That's everything. called a simulation. Okay, so it's not projection, it's a simulation. So I was like, okay, yeah, gas, there's my gas. Right. right. And that's that's what that's called. And so it's very different than simulation. projection. Simulation, yes. And that's a very large way of using a simulation. In most cases, people just use it to like become the couch or to become an object to experience what it is to become it. But it, it definitely can be used in that way. And it goes right back down to the, the projection of energy out of your body. I mean, instead of sending a probe out, you tuck the probe and you absorb it into an environment. And it doesn't necessarily mean it was your energy that spread so wide. You tapped into a larger energy that fed you this information. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like a, a small computer hooking into the internet. You see what I'm saying? It's, you are not the planet of all these computers. You just have the resources to collect that data. And that's what happened. So I just tapped into everything's energy. Correct. You you became a database of a computer collecting data, and you just put together in pertinent, which is the, the information that was important to you or what you desired. Most generic psychics or mundane 
spiritualists don't understand this concept at all. Deja vu is supposedly the ability to foresee a coming event momentarily before it happens. Um, there are many argument cases of deja vu. One of them being that one part of the hemisphere of your brain goes a little slower than the other half, which makes you think that you know something before it happens. And I believe that that may be the case in rare cases. Although, I, I mean, I know many cases where people will finish off conversations before they're said or will describe things around the corner as they're excited that they've been there, that there's no way that they could have known around the corner unless everybody's brain is slowed down at the same time, which I find unlikely. Um, so what it is in truth, in my opinion, is it's the natural ability that we all have psychically to foresee the future. And you can get a, a, a muscle spasm, per se, in your muscle or in your arm, or your, I mean your leg or your arm, a specific area. What I call a deja vu is a sporadic twitching of the psychic pineal gland, which gives you these abilities in your brain. And it just instantaneously kind of gives you some kind of data instead of willfully willing. So deja vu can happen with any of your senses, right? Yes. So any of your senses can connect with deja vu. All of your, your sensories smell, touch, hearing, sight, are really set at a limited amount. Let's say you, you, from 1 to 100, you're actually set at about maybe 25 or 30. And you think it's your maximum, but in truth it's not. I mean, there's times you can smell things, and they can be so overpowering to you that nobody else really can smell, but you become nauseated or sick from it because your nasal glands become enhanced, intensified. Well, that's above normal sense. Keep in mind, extrasensory perception, ESP, extrasensory perception, exceeding, extra. Um, hearing, there's times when your hearing's fine and all of a sudden you get high, high twitches and, and, and high pitches and whatever else. It's They go up and above that 35 mark. Um, sometimes you see things, energy, things out of the corner of your eyes, people walking in the dark, and maybe you see energy in a room like the force and stuff. This is, again, higher than the average setting. So the brain has the capability of enhancing anything. I mean, constantly with computers, we think that, that the only way they're going to run faster or better is by buying a better computer chip or a more powerful component. And then we find people who write computer software programs and put it in, and it doubles the memory without having to add anything electrically, just by, by the commands that it's told to do, to work a little differently. So if the brain can be trained to really go to higher levels, which is primarily what you're here to learn, then... The, the limits, we have no idea what they could be. So do you mean in a sense that instead of adding things from the outside, you just use what... You, you use what you have already, but you enhance all those by a hundred times. And it's just by using it or... or by exercising, exercising, by thinking about it, by recognizing when you're doing something, what you're doing. For instance, he had the experience, okay, of knowing what he knew, okay, and... If he knew what, what, if it happened to him by chance, which it may happen again, the next time it happens, instead of just collecting that basic data, he's going to ask himself the ultimate question. What am I feeling right now that I can recreate to do this next time at will? In other words, what are the circumstances of my mind or the conditions of my thought at this very moment that's making me experience this? And then he's willfully going to 
push himself to know more because now he's not overwhelmed by the excitedness of it. He's, he's got data to say, I understand what's going on, so let's try to experiment with it now in other ways. And this is the Mandela of growing knowledge. It's, it's the expansion of, of absorbing even more. But do, you, do you follow what I'm saying? Well, that actually happens to me all the time. Well, now if it happens, see all these times it's happened and you've just basically just kind of experienced it. I knew it was the energy that right. I was feeling. I just didn't realize. Like, I didn't think, well, that's how I found the gas. Right. So the more or the next time you experience it, you're going to take it to higher levels now just for the sheer fact that you comprehend more. I tried to explain that this year. Remember last time, really, I looked at the tree leg also, and I feel like I'm the tree leg. All right, that's nice. Anyway, so that's, that's the effect of, of that. And, and so what you're trying to do with any psychic ability is to enhance what you already have. And there are even things that you can do already that you have no knowledge that you are capable of doing. They're just very latent and in and, 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 and sleep almost centuries that we've had from prehistoric times to, to current times to, to, to whatever. We have all these abilities locked away in our own brain. It's just a matter of, of reviving them and utilizing them with an intelligent will that we didn't have maybe 10,000, 30, 40, 50,000 years ago. So then do you think that things, uh, do you think that instant just happened or was there something behind it that caused it to happen that he can use to recreate? I, I think that sometimes people's brains are formed a certain way and it's kind of like having a wire that's loose. The, t- the, the stereo works perfectly every single time, but if somebody walks past it and creates a little tiny bit of wind, it's enough to short it out because it gets too close, a millisecond too close to an object. Well, I think that some people's brains are the same way, that they, they don't have that ability, they don't have it, they don't have it, and all of a sudden, because of the latitude or longitude of where they're driving or something they ate or, or the air pressure in the air from the, 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 the sky pressure or air pressure, sets it off for a moment. I think that all the circumstances fall in line by coincidence, and it happens. And uh, I think that's why it, it happens with him, because if he could do that, well, he would do it all the time. You'd have a lot more information to give us. But the point is, is he doesn't have control over it. It just happens randomly, and he experiences it. So the idea is to figure out how to tap it at will, and then, and then experiment with it to, to unlimited levels. Dimension walking is the ability to move physically in an altered state of consciousness, allowing you to experience a second, third, fifth, and higher level of dimension around you. They will be physically. Let me continue. When you walk, you can see or experience an environment around you, which is, let's say you're walking on a, on a, on a road, and you can see the, the trees, and you see the plants, and you can see whatever. When you walk dimensionally in the right state of consciousness, which we will go over, you can see electrical storms on the land, will see what seems to be sparks everywhere. You can see objects moving through the air. You can see entities. You can see dimensional 
things of, of a variety of arrays. There's, there's no limit to say what you can and will not, or will not see because every environment that you put yourself in can be very different. Um, dimension walking is for experiencing. What I mean by that is it's largely something that you experience within you and something that you experience by observing. Nothing's going to leap out and grab you. Nothing's going to, to shock you or whatever. I mean, it could happen, but generally not, okay, for, for this topic. Okay? Stuff that's already there, you just wouldn't see it. You, you would not normally, under normal circumstances, see these things. No. The idea is to train you to become aware of the things that are there and make them more aware. In other words, see them in, in better detail. And, and also see things that you never thought were there before. Is this the development of the sixth sense, so to speak? Well, it's, again, it's, it's raising your, your sensory. Your, your sensory is set at, let's say, 35, so what you see is what you see. But yet, there are a million different things going on in here. For me, I can see things that is it's just mind-blowing compared to what you guys see. For me, there's everything has an illumination. Um, everything has molecular structure. It's like switching through cable channels. I can just flip through mentally and just and just see different things. Just by thinking about it, I see things. Um, by just letting my tonal come down and just becoming like the same level you guys are, I still see certain things. There's, there's like an intensity of illumination. But other than that, it's pretty much what you see. Except for the time to times my mind will go and I'll, I'll see certain objects and duck and it looks kind of silly at times, I suppose. But, um, so you're getting triangles going on my head. More or less, sometimes. <laughs> you know, there's, there's all sorts of things going on. But uh, the idea is for you guys to slowly become more aware of these things. The number one thing that I will stress to you, and you will ultimately fail, is persistence, consistency. If you do not work on something consistently, you will never evolve to a level of experiencing it fully. You, you One of the biggest problems I have with teaching that I get a little question on the laws. What I'm teaching you guys should be something that takes over a course of 30 to 50 years of teaching. If I was to teach you correctly, okay, that means every single subject that I'm working with, we would have to go over almost an entire year until you guys were perfected in it. Until you guys could just, just see everything that I'm experiencing. But because life in modern day and times does not allow this, what I'm doing is, is offering you, as I've said in the past, a toolbox. And the toolbox is that I'm handing you knowledge very quickly, very fast. I'm making you aware of this kind of knowledge. I'm making you aware that it exists. And I'm giving you the basic principles and structures as to how to make yourself capable of experiencing and doing these things. The problem is because the download of information is so fast, so quick with everything that I teach there's no time for you guys to become perfected with it because I'm not pushing you to perfect it every time I see you, that one subject, constantly working on it. It is up for you to develop it. Whether you develop it now or you develop it 20 years from now, you still have that kind of knowledge. And my premise for this is, is I just don't have enough time to teach. Someday I will stop teaching very likely. Number two, I could die. Anything could happen. Thirdly, you know, the world has very, you know, unusual circumstances. Who knows what will happen if I'm separated or not? So the point is, is that you have this knowledge and you can utilize it for whatever gains or means you want, okay? 
providing that your heart's in the right place. I hope it's all good things. In either case, so again, persistence, consistency is the number one secret to learning and developing anything. If you think you're just going to practice one or two times and you're going to walk away saying, oh, well, I can do this and I can do that, I guarantee you no matter what you see from what I've taught you and you think is impressive, it's a thousand times more impressive if you can work on it and develop it even further and further and further. Uh, You guys are only touching or grazing something that you cannot even begin to comprehend. You're like a blind person touching a wall and going, oh, it's large, and it turns out to be the Empire State Building, and you're on one little tiny square corner of it. Um, You have no idea of comprehending what is really the capability of these things. And I see it a lot in my students. They just have no idea. They experience it. But I think that the human ability to for, for making one absolutely willfully pushed to the most extremist levels is, is very lacking. I think it's an extraordinary human being that can do that. I think for most people, they experience it, they enjoy the knowledge, and they, they grow with it, but they don't really take it to, to become an extremist. And I would hope that all of you guys do. So remember, if you want to develop this to its full potential, practice makes perfect. You must be persistent, persistent, persistent in, in, in practicing what you are uh, learning. Dimension walking is, for those of you who've used drugs, which I am a very strong advocate against, is, is kind of like using acid. It's, it's kind of like walking down a road in the middle of the night on about ten hits of acid. And I do mean literally ten, not one, not four, not three. I mean ten, which is a large amount. And you all of a sudden start to become aware of things that you just either are A, a hallucination, a trick of your mind, or, or you just are becoming aware of something that was always there. In either case, the point is, is that by going into this state of consciousness, you can do the same thing and even more without any drugs. And the point is, is this information is actually useful because when you are on a hallucinogen, your, your mind is so scattered you can't even begin to really appreciate something, really. I mean, you may think you can, but you really can't. And you lose most of the, the data and the information and its complexity when you come down off of it. Um, where, in this case, you can retain an immense amount of information. Um, so this is one of the things. But don't expect to have an intense experience immediately. I had an experience last night. I was meditating, and I felt really good. I even was crying for a tears came up for how big I was feeling when I was meditating. When I stopped, that was my highest. My room was dark, and there was this electric field all in the carpet on my head. And I went like this, and it looked like electric, like everywhere, kind of like a bluish thing. Right. Right. Is that what that was? Yes, it's, it's that state of consciousness. I would definitely say that you became on a higher awareness. The form of meditation I teach is definitely universally everything that's here. And at the same time, the walls were breathing, and I was seeing little hallucinations, but I was seeing uh, I also was seeing how much Right. Well, everybody is, again, working out therapy when you meditate. Everybody can have different experiences. It depends what your brain is more designed for. And that's the area you're going to go into, and you're, you'll eventually work past that, and you're going to have other experiences. But those are excellent experiences. Were you going to say something? Um, I, was, I was just going to ask, uh, so that's good what teaches us to willfully be able to be aware of that instead of dropping acid and forcing it. Correct. Um, 
so the 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 point is 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 that uh, that's the concept of dimension walking. I have come to the decision that you cannot be a successful dimension walking if you are with others than if you were by yourself. And there are several reasons of which I think that I, I tapped off slightly on with you guys. If you use Mandela thinking, you might be able to adapt. But I'll put Matt on the spot here a little bit if he's with us. Maybe he can explain why I suggest this reason.
basic layout to beginning to something like this, okay, is to find an area that's that's not in the city. Because you can do magic walk in the city also. I mean, that's how I spot other beings and people and aliens amongst us and whatever else, because I can physically see them totally different than what they look like as human. Or I'll see their, their, their energy fields differently, or I'll just sense them through a crowd, and I'll specifically be able to figure out which one it is. There's, like, aliens. We're not going to get into that. You didn't want to do UFOs, remember? Anyway, so, in either case, this state of consciousness is, again, your sensories. Your sensories increase. Your sense of sight increases because you start to see energy fields without really having to will yourself constantly. You just kind of look around and see them. Your sense of hearing increases to such a level that, that the slightest sound is, is like four times louder to you. Um, you can even get to the point where you're in such a dimensional state that you can hear a specific noise and it captures your interest. And you literally will all of a sudden just close your eyes and, and you will three-dimensionally, like a camera, speeding through trees and, and woods and grass, you'll just like follow the sound, the sound until, you, until you find it, whether it be a bird or an animal biting on something or whatever, you'll, you'll, you'll physically see it in your head, you'll just like snap out of it, and you'll just know. Um, of course, these are what I do, so it's going to take time for you to develop to that level, and I don't want to make it sound too over-glorified for you until you get to that level, otherwise you'll get discouraged. Um, your, your total sensories just increase. Your sense of smell will increase. You'll literally be able to smell someone's cologne like half a mile away. Uh, literally, smell it. Uh, you'll be able to smell human smell from a great distance or animal smells. Um, uh, it just goes on and on. Um, so these are, are just certain things that are going to happen besides just being able to see things dimensionally. Um, one of the things, if you go out at night, you'll be able to look, let's say, if you're looking at an open field at night, um, you will see perhaps dimensional squares, okay? Now, you have to keep in mind, you might say, well, if they're dimensional, why would it be such a perfect square, you know, it looks man-made or intelligent-made? I will remind you that all things pretty much take on a crystallization form, whether they be, you know, diamond shape or, or square or something, but the universe pretty much has a standard of structuralization. So what you will see is you'll see black squares on the land masses or on the a, on, on a side of a cliff or something, or you might see some other thing. Those are literally dimensional doors, but I mean, you could under the right circumstances. This is a miniaturization, per se, of the Bermuda Triangle, the, di uh, the Devil's Triangle or something. There are miniature versions, I think, all over the place. Some of them are usually higher in the air, some not, but you have to be in the right state of mind, the right circumstances, the right temperature. I mean, there's so many things that, that have to be perfect for it to, to happen. But again, I was mentioning how there was this little girl who, who disappeared, and this boy who disappeared by walking around a corner, you know, and it was like 12 years apart or something. Where did they go? Probably to another dimension. Were they happy there? Well, they might be very dead. I mean, there's dimensions you cannot physically exist on a human being. So you don't think Yes. So, I mean, not everything is, is like, you know, cartoons. Everything works out perfect every time you go through something. Let's say that, that dimensional doors are somehow connected like dotted lines to other planets. Let's say that you walk through a dimensional door and it automatically puts you on Jupiter. How are you physically going to exist in Jupiter? The air alone 
let's say is acid or gaseous, your skin's going to burn instantly and you're going to take one breath and the temperature's going to be over 300 degrees to inhale. You'll be dead in a matter of seconds. So don't go through these doors. Well, I don't recommend it. You know what I'm saying? You could go through a dimensional door and it brings you to some other world that's completely habitable. But how many planets in the universe do you think that are identical to Earth? How do you know whether or not to go into well, if you have years of experience, such as myself, and you've developed projection, you send your projection first. <laughs> and that's about how I did it. Um, you just kind of know now. I mean, I'm. I mean, I'm at such a point now where I don't even project. I don't. I don't do any of those things. It's just a just a matter of just thinking about it. And I just know the circumstances in great detail. But we all must start off somewhere. In either case, so. But you will see these things. So it's, it's so you have a basic knowledge of what they are. Don't be consumed with, with them. Be more consumed with taking in the overall picture. Do you understand what I'm saying? Um, one of the other things, if you look over a darkened area and you go into the right state of mind, you'll see um, balls of light. Um, you'll also look and you'll see a flash of, of light, literally a bright electrical flash. Um, those are energy dimensions. Nobody else will see it. Or some people, if they're on the right right state of mind, we'll see them identically at the same time as you. These are all pitches. It's a frequency. Your mind is is energy. Your body's energy. So you're the tunnel. Huh? Balls of light flash through dimensional doors? No, they're not dimensional doors. They're just, just simply... You're, okay. There's different kinds of... No, 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 no. You're absolutely right. It's important that I explain things to you. Detail is everything. There are dimensional doors that travel from point A to point B, from physical plane to physical plane, okay? Then there are dimension of time and space. That means that there are dimensions passing through here and coexisting at the same time. So there's two different kinds of dimensions, and it's important that we keep this in mind. That there's, there's the kind of dimension where you could say you're dimensionally traveling through space and time from point A to point B, which is kind of like the Bermuda Triangle or, or whatever. This is a, a dimensional vortex of types. And keep in mind, just for the record, that I don't necessarily believe that the Bermuda Triangle is necessarily always dimensional. It's going to send objects through there. I suspect highly that there's a lot of stuff at the bottom of the Bermuda Triangle in the ocean. But what was interesting is, is that um, magnetism and energy dimensionally just vanish temporarily enough for them to screw their... their, their um, their crafts up so that they crash into the ocean. But then I also strongly believe that there are dimensions where objects can completely physically disappear into another dimension between here and there, but physically be constructed. Like there was uh, this huge barge that was being pulled, and uh, what happened was as the ship was pulling, you could hear the engines going, and they were crossing through there, and the barge was probably you know about the size of the building, half the size. And they had a huge rope pulling it. And in the process of pulling it, the barge disappeared. It was completely invisible. There was nothing there. And it was only maybe 50 to 80 feet away. And But the rope was still high, strong tension. You could literally walk on it because it's such a large object it was pulling. And the rope went out several hundred feet or 50 feet, whatever the distance was, and then it stopped in the middle of the air. It was just hanging as if somebody cut it invisibly. And it was still pulling. The engine was still pulling hard, but they just physically couldn't see it. Then after, and of course, everything magnet. Um, you know, like the compass and everything was spiraling and stuff. And basically what happens is it stopped. They must have moved further enough out of this dimensional area, and it just reappeared. Okay, so there's different kinds of dimensions that you have to keep in mind. 
And it's very important. You know, after a while, you'll be a pro and you'll understand what kind of dimension I'm talking without me having to, to be specific. So okay. there's dimensions of time and space, and there's dimensions that just get from one right. place to another. Right. That's the, the real question is, is what, what creates these portals and what creates these things without getting too far off on, on the subject that we're talking about. Right. Well, okay, well, then forget about it. We'll, we'll talk well, about questions of balls of light. I already wrote um, in, in either case, so the, the balls of light, um, they could be a variety of things. It could just be this dimension clashing with another dimension, and it, and it creates a rippling effect. The rippling effect produces a, a ball of light for a second, or a flash, or, or something. A lot of times, energy isn't as illuminated as what we normally think of light. So you'll see like a purple flash, but it's a dark flash. You'll, you'll know it's something illuminated, but it's not really light. It's like the color of purple splashing, and it'll disappear. Um, same goes for different other colors, but it'll be faded and darker. Um, but nonetheless, it's there. So it's a clash of dimensions. Right. It's either dimensions or you're seeing another dimension um, existing that's that's coexisting with ours. So it seems it's it's kind of like taking a, a, a see-through glass picture and putting it up against this here. You can see the carpet, but you're also going to see the other glass carving on top of it. You understand what I'm saying? So what looks like it's here is really not here. It's just that they're both existing overlapping. First of all, let's forget about poltergeists and spirits and demons and energy because all of these things use dimensional vortexes, whether they be intensive or minor ones. Some of the stuff you'll experience when you when you are in a, a vortex is more physical. You'll you'll feel temperature droppings uh, very quickly, 10, 15 degrees in a matter of like a minute. Um, that which is rather significant. You will also feel wind bursting and, and non-wind bursting. Keep in mind that the reason why you feel ear is because even though it's another dimension opening in this one, it's completely invisible. It could be opened over our head. Um, but the, the, the difference is, is you'll feel a vacuum because it's very likely the air temperature is different. So whenever you have a vacuum, it's like when I was at work today, I went to this building and I walked up to the doors and as soon as I opened up the door, it was like, this wind came. It wasn't windy out or anything. It was just the sheer temperature difference pulled or retracted. And that's what created the vacuum of, of air. And this is what happens with dimensional doors. Wind currents will just develop out of nowhere. Um, a lot of times when you're in like maybe dimensional areas, I mean, you can have hot, cold, natural stuff, but sometimes um, out of the, the fluke because <coughs> a lot of people would say, well, what are the chances of it happening because you're there? It may happen because you're dimensionally in that state of consciousness that you're agitating the circumstances for this dimensional door to open in the first place. Not that you willfully did it, but just your presence and your consciousness and all the right circumstances made it happen. All of a sudden, you'll just have this huge gust of wind from nowhere or from an unusual angle, which is very important because standard wind movements usually follow a pattern. And when you get the pattern to break or go in the opposite direction or from a different course, you can almost be sure it's something dimensional. If your energy is high enough, if you have enough energy to even invoke these things, or sometimes you just need to, it's, it's the fly on the camel's ass to get them to move. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, just enough agitation. It's the grain of sand, a simple grain of sand that makes the pearl. It agitates the, the oyster to create the, 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 the given effect. So, in other words, you can be at the right place at the right time, everybody else is walking through, nothing's happening, but because you decide to 
dimensionally walk or go into that state of consciousness, you are invoking energy. Thought is energy. It's a certain pitch. It's like it's like a, a, a tone. And you're emanating that tone out, even though it can't be heard, it still can be experienced. And if it can be experienced, so can it be experienced by, by energy fields, which may be even more sensitive to it than you are. Magnetism is the secret of the universe, it is the secret of dimension, it is the secret of, of, of everything. Um, magnetism is not the kind of magnetism that, that you think of like standard refrigerator magnets. It's a different kind of magnetism. And this magnetism, according to Einstein and, and of course a lot of other people, is what keeps this giant hologram okay, together. It's what keeps this structured format. Change or alter the frequency or the, the magnetism and you will have a ripple in time and space. You will have an, an open, literally a tear will open and it'll, you'll see stars and planets and everything floating in this room. Um, everything has, from what I understand, an A polarity and a B polarity. There is always a, a, a movement that, that creates this constant which creates this. Um, North pole, south pole, dimension, time, space, everything, except for one thing, what we can't figure out is the entire universe itself has an A polarity, but there is no B that can be detected. So it's the only thing that's a freak compared to everything else substantially that we can weigh or measure or numerically figure, which is really the reason why everything exists. So if everything has a certain resignation from, from a form of magnetism, if you can change this field of magnetism, even if it's in a small portion of area, it's kind of like, like creating an illumination or amount of space. By creating this amount of space, you create a magnetism that cancels the effect of the AB and makes it only one. Do you follow me? You're, you're, you're forcing something. So, an A and B polarity, kind of like a mix. I mean, we don't have to be very scientifically just to, to grasp the concept, okay? I mean, we'd have to go into a lot more detail to be actually scientifically correct. The point is that you have a grasping of how this works. The, the point is, is, is that there is a, a frequency created by these two magnetisms, okay, that holds this whole dimension together, theoretically speaking, okay? If you could create a device that could change the polarity Okay, in a given amount of space, you don't change the polarity, and the whole universe changes. It's it's there's pressure, you know what I'm saying? There's, it's everywhere. But I mean, you you'd have to get something equally as powerful as this whole entire universe to 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 throw the whole universe off. But you can create a little tiny amount of space that makes a little pinhole. Do you understand? And then this little pinhole is your doorway to another universe. It's like it's like a door opening in a wall that's being pushed open by this device that's pulsating a frequency that, that fucks up the AB polarity for a moment. Which means that some other dimension or some other frequency is, is going to open on the other side randomly. And this is your other side of a, of a dimension. Follow me? Is that kind of has some sort of black hole? Is? Is no. no. We'll go to black holes in no time. In either case, so... What I'm suggesting is, is that, for instance, we'll use again the Bermuda Triangle. It is a 
amount of space under the right circumstances. Generally, we know that the Bermuda Triangle usually has its given effects during the colder months of the year. Okay? Which is usually December, January, and February. Now, for some reason, you've got to keep in mind that the axis of the planet is probably a little proportionately different, which changes the magnetism of the whole planet. Now, it's likely to assume somewhere underneath the ocean floor is probably a massive deposit of ore or iron, or something that would create a mass amount of, of magnetism capability. Now, because the planet is a certain place, let's say, again, this hairline chance of, of just having enough weight to collapse the entire deck of cards, for instance, okay, one millimeter of weight is enough to do it, let's say, then hypothetically, let's say that the air temperature of the clouds, because clouds go lower or higher, this is what they call the ceiling. If you ever fly planes and stuff, they'll, they have to get broadcasts to, if it's 1,500 feet or whatever amount of feet it is, is how fly they're allowed to, to fly the airplanes. Well, the pressure of the atmosphere, let's say, is heavier. It's enough with all the right circumstances together to trigger a chain reaction that creates, for a few moments, a dimensional vortex through nature. And this is the circumstances of why it happens. Very rare, very seldom. One, one in a million. You, we might, we may never see the Bermuda Triangle ever work again because we've already changed the atmosphere over the last 50 years from chemicals and pollutions. So maybe that was the sole difference to actually make it work where 50 years ago it would happen all the time. Okay? So the point is, is that what, you're, what I'm saying is, is in the ground or in the air or under rare circumstances is what is opening these natural dimensional doors. The, the, the perfect air temperature, let's say if it was 94 degrees, your body weight, um, your, what you ate that day with how many minerals you have in your body, uh, the direction of the sunlight warming the ground, expanding certain crystals or something in the earth. All these circumstances perfectly match the law. You, you've got yourself a physical dimensional door or maybe one that just is there but it's not strong enough to transmit you through so you walk right through it. It's all circumstances. Circumstances is everything. Questions? So if um, a scientist or, or anybody tried to um, artificially yes. stimulate? Yes. Mm -hmm. One, it's probably one of the well, most well-guarded secrets today. Um, because it, it really is the secret of space travel time travel potentially, etc., etc., etc. And not to mention the fact that uh, there are other people who know this. It's not just me who knows about this. There's other people who are trying to create the same thing. This is a lot of work. Um, there was a, a several films that were made on this. There was one supposedly that was more of a true story, which was the Philadelphia Experiment, another movie that's on the movie list. Where they made the whole ship disappear, and in the 1940s they did something similar in the 1930s. And what happens is the ship from the 1930s appeared, and in 1930s the ship from the, the 50s or 60s appeared there for a moment, and then they disappeared again. When the ships reappeared, evidently um, all the people on there, most of them all died because when the ship reappeared, their bodies were half in the metal walls, and their head was like half in, in the floor, and, and it's resolidified, and they all died because the metal kind of you know went through their body. But you should watch it, and it'll give you a basic concept. But what they did is, um, supposedly, is they took these four trucks that had generators built in, and they had what looked like satellite dishes, 
that can emit B-polarity or A-polarity magnetism, and they, they hit this ship from it, bombarded it with it, and of course it created a, a vortex, and the ship disappeared for a moment. Silence. So is anything that happened after that great wealth of information are obtained, but we may never know what those, that information is. I mean, I'd probably do, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, there's only so much worthwhile information to give to you guys that you guys are going to absorb. Your data, by the time we're done tonight, your head should be like, going, dump, dump, dump. There's no Not sense in giving you useless data until you're ready for it and you can do something with it. Welcome to the Higher Balance Expansion Module, Dimensions, just two of two. So, um, you know, the whole thing with time travel and dimension, um, I'll give you an interesting uh, case study. Was uh, There was rock climbers, which is a fascinating story. I just was telling somebody not too long about it, um, who were climbing the side of this place in Washington uh, State, and they climbed up the, the top of this uh, area, and they know that the area is known for having geodes, which are stones. If you cut them open, there's crystals inside and uh, these college students went out there and they happened to think that they found one, so they tuck it, put it in their backpack and whatever, climbed down. Uh, sometime later, let's say weeks or whatever, a month later, they decided to, to have one of their friends cut it at the college, I guess. And he tried to cut it and broke every single blade. And uh, so eventually they were like dumbstunned by it. So they had some specialist place cut it open and they cut it open. And what they found inside of this, this stone was a spark plug from a tractor in the 1940s. A very large um, man-made manufactured spark plug encased in the stone. They carbon dated how old the stone was that was fused into it. And it was carbon dated like over hundreds of thousands of years old. So the real question is, is how did a spark plug from a tractor from the 1940s end up inside of the stone that's been carbon dated hundreds of thousands of years or millions of years old? On top of the cliff. So it's hypothetical to say anything could have happened. It's who who knows? It could have came from a tractor that was near a, a giant explosion from a volcano. The masses of energy, which we know little about energy period, um, somehow warped time and space and put it somewhere else. Or you could hypothetically say a UFO picked it up and dissected it in the forties. They have the ability to time travel, and they were somewhere in the prehistoric days and just said, okay, we've studied everything we want with it. Let's throw it out. They threw it out, and it happened to just be at the right place at the wrong time, and it got encased in stone, and we found it millions of years later. I mean, who's to say? I mean, the, the possibilities are endless. Um, but I would highly suspect that this has something to do with dimensional thinking and, and that it was just a circumstance to know how this came about. So, back to dimensional walking. Any other questions? Matt looks to Jordan. I don't think he's doing anything important out of there. In either case. So, dimension walking. Um, if you're wondering what a tetrahedron is, is something that um, is kind of the mathematical secret to time, space, dimensional travel, and everything else. But that's a whole conversation. That's how much it has it. <laughs> Beyond <laughs> So, in either case, um, 
Dimension walking is kind of like the Carlos Castaneda concept of, of spiritual dimension. There are beings under the right circumstances that you will become more aware of or you will be able to see or experience. When I say experience, feel, know, smell, hear, taste something, okay? To confirm that they exist. Well, you know, you can taste air, you can you can smell it, you can you know a damp forest area. Yeah, and when you I know, but when you inhale in your mouth you can you can almost feel the dampness or the muddiness in the air. It's, it's, it's hard to describe. It's not like normal tasting, but um, so what I mean by taste is sometimes you get very strong taste in your mouth and not know why, but it's it's a paranormal effect. All of your senses are useful. Um, in either case, uh, so there are dimensional beings that you can also become aware of. Um, but it's very important that you maintain and you control your your thought. Thought is everything. Um, if your mind wanders, you are not going to reach a, a state of consciousness that you want. If you walk too fast, you will not reach the state of consciousness you want. The idea is eventually you can do anything you want. I mean, kind of like what I'm doing. But the point is, if you want to achieve this, you have to learn first achieve it once so that you can recognize it and, and work with that to build up to something bigger and better. But if you're going to rush things, you're not going to achieve it. So you'll never know how, how to, to, to get into that direction. Uh, it's Unfortunately, we, I don't have any words to take you because normally I'll take a group of people out and show them how to do this. So we're just going to have to... Okay. First things first, okay? There's there is a lot of things to keep in mind. There, there is no real format that I can say, well, this is what you have to do step by step by step. So what I'm going to do is try to, to, to think about what, what I go through in order to help you realize what's going on and what I'm doing. Okay? One particular thing is, is definitely and never do is never, never put your hands in your pockets when you're doing anything paranormal, spiritual, haunted house, ghosts, UFOs, anything. Never in your pockets. Hands are your sensory, okay? Just because you touch things doesn't mean that you can't touch energy, okay? You can experience energy with your hands. Your hands have probably one of the most complex nervous systems in your, well, I would say your entire body, but certainly very likely. Um, they're designed to be very sensitive, very data-oriented compared to touching something with the bottom half because it's nearly as complex as touching it with your fingertips. Um, your body is designed to, to function as a human body, yes, okay, but you can make it do things that, that are incredible. I mean, it's, it's kind of like saying, well, skateboards first came out, and the only thing you do with skateboard was to just kind of do your normal skateboard. And then they take something very simple, and they've made it very complex, haven't they? They, they ride on rails, curves, you know, whatever they can get on, they, they can do. Um, it's the same thing as, like, saying if I touch this, you know, stereo, it may come in better because I arc the electrical whatever that's going on, and it's, it's going to receive better. So what I'm saying is your body can be utilized to experience energies as, as one whole device. You don't just have to, to, to say you have to hear something or see something to experience. You literally can feel with your entire body. If 
is done correctly. That's something to keep in mind. So one of the things is I'm always aware of my entire body, how my entire body feels, what it's experiencing. Because as it collects or it feels coolness or something, sometimes you feel something beyond cool. It's like you start to know things. So it's not just cool air. It's actually electrical dimensional information, like cellular phone information, just dimensionally, and you can feel it. Um, hands should always be out. Fingers should always be out. Always have them maybe on your side or move around or wave them around. I mean, any of that's perfectly fine. Breathing. Um, when your mind relaxes, and, and relaxing and keeping your mind very clear is a very important part of dimensional walking, you should try to certainly not have thought. Um, it's almost like you're in anticipation, like you're just calmly waiting for something to happen, but without really feeling that too much. And my breathing is extremely shallow. It's like I'm breathing through my nose very slowly. In fact, I'm not even thinking about my breath. It's so shallow. It's so, so very gentle. Okay, so if you're breathing fast, uh, one of the things you're going to learn, which you, if you haven't learned a meditation, right? breathing fast is not good because your mind starts to think fast. If you breathe slowly, your mind slows down and doesn't think so fast. So breathing is directly connected to your mental thought. There's, there's no doubt about it. So just kind of relaxing your breathing. Um, kind of stretching your body, kind of mentally, just kind of just let everything go and just kind of taking in the environment. I do suggest that you not with anybody else. I suggest that you're on your own private time experiencing nature. Um, one of the things I was going to point out is, again, is your childhood. When you were a child, you were more highly sensitive. In fact, you probably at night were afraid more, but you also probably heard more noises and thought you'd seen more things and whatever else, and you were told, well, it's your imagination. I'm willing to say that I don't think it was your imagination. I'm willing to say that what you've seen were things that you couldn't explain and you were afraid of, but your senses were so polished, so intense from being afraid, that you became more aware, and you lost those things over time. Um, in either case, uh, the point is, is that uh, when you were a child, there may have been a, a time when you were out by yourself, maybe in a field or near a tree or something, and you, you hit a, a peak moment of, like, of smelling, feeling the sun, feeling your environment. Um, it was kind of like something that you may never experience again for the rest of your life. But your senses intensify for some reason. It's like a communion between you and nature. That is, is a good thing to kind of try to feel as you as you attempt to dimensional walk. It's kind of almost like going into a zone, almost into a trance. Does everybody relate to what I'm saying? That's that's kind of what you want to experience. One of the things that would do that a lot for me was uh, the smelling of, of uh, sweet grass or like you know dry hay type farm type grass. Um, it has a very soothing effect to allow you to begin to go into that state of mind. But you can't do it if you're with other people. Consciousness jumps. Consciousness distracts and, and, and it's not a, a, a good thing. So again, it's something that if you think about it when you were a child, it's that state of consciousness. Did you do it when you had other people there? No. You did it when you were alone. Think about it. I'm right or wrong. Um, the big secret the big secret to getting yourself to walk dimensionally 
is walking, and that's why we call it dimension walking. And it's not so much, this is a trade secret, this is not to be given out, but under under the, the effects that I've told you so far to do, the, the, the non-thought, the relaxing, the thinking of the child in state of mind, taking in the environment, if you start to walk, one of the things that I want you to focus on, and this is about the pace you're going to walk, okay, is you want to take in the rhythm of the feet, it's the sound of the scraping of your foot hitting the ground. So, when you are walking, it is the rhythm of your feet scraping the ground that sends you immediately into an altered state of consciousness. If you just think of the feet moving, but you do none of the other stuff that I just said, forget it. It's not going to work. It's, it's, it's a recipe. It's, it's, a, it's a whole intricate state of mind. By, by putting yourself into a relaxed state, by breathing a certain way, by feeling or invoking thought in a way, by feeling the temperature of the air, by feeling the sun on your face, to, by, by, by experiencing the environment and the air, take your time. Don't, don't rush. You guys are all young. You're going to be impatient. You're going to rush and nothing's going to happen for you. Spend a half hour working your way up to this. Don't rush it. Live yourself, and it's going to be hard to relearn that state of consciousness, especially from your childhood, because you've already got to forgotten it. It's, it's like a secret place in your mind. But you you start to move, and you listen to the rhythms of the feet hitting the ground, and just just walk a good distance. Let it. It's kind of like a metronome. A metronome has a very particular effect for hypnosis, okay, or for relaxing putting you into a deeper state of consciousness. Um, in either case, I'll, I'll give you a small example. It's going to be gone. It's going to collapse all this consciousness that you 
difficulty. Okay? Do not give anything specific awareness. The moment you give it specific awareness, you fall right back down to a normal train of thought. Okay? It's the machine who has to look at something and tell you what it is. You see a dog, you bring it dog. You see a human being, you say, oh, there's a person over there. It's, it's like you can't shut up. It has to identify everything to you. Okay? Ignore all that. Just kind of move and experience. When you can go into the state of consciousness with the right momentum, the right pace, it's kind of like everybody's driving a car. This is one of my greatest, I love this example. You're driving a car, and you're doing 85 miles per hour, and everybody else is doing 85 miles per hour, and you can see the trees, and you can see the mountains, and you can see everything else. And then all of a sudden, after 12 hours of driving, you know, you go across the country, and you're looking at the beauty of these rivers, and the bridges, and everything. You pull over, and you get out, and kind of slow. And all of a sudden, you can experience the smell of the fresh air, and all of a sudden, you can hear the birds chirping. And you look around, and you can see the water now, lively up close, instead of from the highway as a river. You can see the shore, you can see the insects moving around, you can see the color of the water, you can see everything in an immense experience, an immense detail. And then you get back in the car, and you're like, off you go again. You see, this is what you're doing. We experience life. Okay? This is what you're doing. You're just experiencing life. The idea is to teach yourself to slow. When you slow down, what was a blur all of a sudden goes and it solidifies. And all of a sudden you see things you've never seen before. Whether they be dimensional, spiritual, what you experience, what you feel, whatever, you, you, you've slowed time and space down to a point where you can observe this entire crystallization of a giant monument and in, in details you could never experience before. Questions? So you're saying basically just to slow because we're always going 85 miles an hour in all our daily life and everything and to just slow ourselves down to It's part of awareness. You're going to learn a lot of similar stuff to this, but yes. It's exactly that. So... That's something that you have to keep in mind, that as you solidify from being a, a being that's constantly at this vibration, if you force yourself, if you willfully turn inwards, this is the big secret, if you willfully turn inwards, and you choose to take control, if you choose to take control of your awareness, then you are truly reaching awareness. You are truly on the path of enlightenment. When you do not think of these things, which is the easiest thing to do because the world controls us, we are constantly being hit by this vibration, which forces us to kind of be the way that we are, then you, you don't move forward. The idea is to turn inwards. The more that you turn inwards, it's like stocking chips, it's like stocking knowledge. You become aware of things that you were never aware of. But this is all about slowness. Slowness is actually faster than fast. Because you experience knowledge in greater detail. So if you experience knowledge when things are slow, don't you learn more? So the idea is to not let time and space of this frequency push you along. To slow time and space with your mind so that you can experience things that you were not aware of before. Does this make sense? 
and this is part of the teachings, this is part of the way of this knowledge. So by walking in this method to attempt to walk dimensionally, you will probably have better success walking this way at night. You can even do this walking on a street. I mean, all of you guys have to have naturally stumbled across some of it a little. Walking at night, feeling at peace with yourself, not really scared, but just looking at the street lights and seeing the dark trees and stuff. I mean, I like the dark. The darker, the better, because to me, darkness is like a cloak. It's like something warm hiding you. You can look out, and nobody knows you're there if you want, and you can just kind of move stealthily, you know? Maybe guys can relate to this more as from childhood and stuff, but, but the point is, is that there's this surrealness that I revel in, and the reveling is, is that when I walk down the street, there's no cars, and there's this, like, yellowish street light in the distance illuminating the street, and there's absolute silence. There is a certain feeling of, of expectation, like something could happen. Maybe there's a vampire, maybe there's uh, a person or a murderer or something, but there's something that you sense is saying. And what you sense is really saying is there's a lot happening, you idiot. You just you just haven't turned that knob a little bit more to tune it in. And that's what you have to do. But expect nothing. This is you're gonna hear me say this all the time, and I don't know if you guys will get this right. When you expect to see something, or you're anticipating to see something, you will see nothing. You have to be sincere in your heart. By just experiencing the environment, you will see or experience something. I had a student of mine recently, um, Frank, uh, I don't know if I told you about it or not. He was, he was walking home very late at night, and uh, he was in a, a certain state of mind walking dimensionally as I taught him. And as he was walking dimensionally, he sensed something to his right. And he turned and he looked, and he seen what, what, how did you tentacle thing at the top of a wall or something retract. Correct. <laughs> something like that. Something of that nature even over the wall. It was very, very solidified uh, as it's physical. Not like an like an auratic energy type thing. Very, you know. Yeah. He was he was way I mean, he was really dope in his He he also had told me that he had seen what looked like a, a, a man with wings or something or, or a, a griffin type being distance, and it realized that it could see him, mm-hmm. meaning the griffin realized that this human being, this mortal, could see him, which was abnormal, and then he, he quickly, you know, got scared and left, and of course my student was like, you know, huh, maybe I should go after it, but maybe it's not a good idea, and then he decided but to kill These, these huh? things are already there, so they're going to message you, they're going to message you anyways, but what if they realize they've seen It them? doesn't necessarily mean they're going to mess with you. Sometimes dimensional beings are just can't see any human being. That, that much of this reality they can't see, just some parts of it they can see. And that they don't see you, but the moment you can see them, it's like you materialize. And then all of a sudden they can see you because you've connected on the same frequency. And maybe that's why they panic. I mean, hypothetically, there's a lot of, a lot of things we'll go into another time as to, to what's what and what's going on. But, you know, my, my favorite term for all of this is in the movie Interview the Vampire. I'm always trying to figure out a way to explain to you what it is that I see, or what I feel, or what I experience. And, and, I, and it's one thing to try to describe these things to you, but you know, I always like using TV because it, it's, it gives you a, a whole other perspective. And one of the things that, they, they, that happened on there is, is Louis, before he was bitten by, by uh, Lestat, Lestat was telling him, well, we don't see kind of the same way you do. We, we, we see reality much differently. And he couldn't understand that. 
And so at one point when 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 Lestat finally got around to biting him and making him a vampire at, at dusk or whatever, they're in this graveyard. Um he uh then you know, when he became a vampire, he, he like kind of came to his senses after he was bitten and he opened his eyes and he looked around and everything had life force. The, the, the leaves all had a shimmering array of darker toned colors like light but with dim illumination. And the statue all of a sudden had like the stone became like skin in itself. Not the ice so much moving when they were in there, but, but it, the stone appeared almost like skin. And that things intensified and, and, and he realized that the, the, the how a vampire scene was very differently than a human. And it's and it's very much the same way that when you when you go to this level or to this dimensional level, you experience on such an intensified level that it, it's it's very much very different than how you perceive. I mean, everything's still the same structurally, but it, it, it takes on a, a whole different concept uh, of, of dimension. I mean, you look at this and it's hard to experience it, but you see everything in this detail. But if I was to use the dimming of this light, if you look at your environment. It, it starts to change, but still it's the same environment, it's the same walls, but it's taken on a whole different feeling. And the structural integrity begins to change, and now you guys are beginning to see what looks like static electricity in here, which is energy. And you still have, it's, it's the same dimensions, it's dark, okay? Well, it's the same thing with with seeing the way that I see, is, is everything takes on an, an additive of, of of dimension and space and contour and structure and, and the, the, the walls themselves become energy. I mean, everybody look at the wall. Everybody stand up. I, I want to point something out. You, you guys are capable of seeing about 2% of what I see on, and as I see 100%, okay? I want you to get close and just stare at this wall, okay? If you stare at the wall, you're going to notice something. You're going to see dimension. It's almost going to look like static electricity on the wall, or a waviness of energy, or something between here and that wall. The wall takes on a grainier type energy, almost like there's a faint blue hue. It's almost optically invisible. Um, if you stare into it long enough, you'll start to see more complexities of the energy because your mind now is like switching channels, like how I do. You just can't see them as vibrant as I do. You'll start to see different things. After a while, you won't even see the, the hue. You'll switch to seeing like little scattery dots, billions of them. Or you might, the wall might start to go three-dimensional. Or, you know, it's, it's switching frequencies. Or you'll see two or three at the same time. I have a question. Um, it's like when I blink, it starts over and I have to start back from because blinking signifies resetting, and, and nature, I mean, this is no coincidence, okay? This is nature's way of preventing you from perpetuating into the state of consciousness. If you ever notice, if you stare, you go into a trance. You start to start to feel differently. Um, when you blink, it's nature's way of like resetting the computer right back to the standard setting. So if you start to move upward from 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, and you're like, wow, look at all of this. Okay. You blink. It's like sets everything to 35 again. I have to see when I start like, trying to see auras and stuff. Right. 
But you can get past this with practice. You, you, you can blink, I can blink 50 million times and I'll still see this enormous hue of energy. One thing I have done since I was like 13, I always stare at myself in the mirror and all of a sudden I started getting these colored patterns and all of a sudden my molecules, mm-hmm. like the contours, like the lines between my arm and my hair, it becomes one. Like if it's just all this flat. Is, this is all dimensional structure, time, space. So I'm seeing I mean, myself through dimensions. Right? Yes. All of a sudden there's all these colors everywhere. I always thought I was from dropping acid. No. Because you can do it without acid. Yeah. I thought I was messed up. Um, a lot of times you'll be told, well, it's it's your it's your eyes playing optic tricks. Well, what the frick is an optic trick in the first place? It's something that you're observing that, that is tangibly observable. So if it's observable, it's a given effect. It's it's in a I don't believe in, in illusions. Do you see what I'm saying? Whether it be from inwards or from outwards, if I look at this this carpet and I see shades of tan, shades of brown, shades of light. Somebody else could look at this and, and their eyes could be completely different than my own and they might see blacks and, and grays. I mean, so what is the, it's what the experience is that I get from it. Do you see what I'm saying? An illusion is simply something that your mind is either projecting that's supposed to not be real, but, but the simple fact that you see it makes it tangibly an experience. You give thought to it. So how can anything be an illusion? There's a purpose or a logic behind it. Do you follow what I'm saying? There is, there's, who is to say that, 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 that in a dimension where nothing should exist in the first place, something came from nothing. This is all here now. Anything is possible. Once you, once you ponder the universe and you say, how did it come into existence in the first place when something has to come from something? Where, where did it all come from? So the tangible point is, how can you say to me that anything's an illusion at this point? This whole goddamn universe could be an illusion. You following what I'm saying? Isn't the material realm an illusion to a certain extent? Yes, but we're not confirming what we already know. So, in either case, this is this is all about dimensional walking. By dimensional walking, you help yourself go into how you're looking at the wall, but you, you're doing it, because you can get nauseated looking at the wall. Um, you can go up to an environment and you'll experience much the same thing as, as what I'm describing that you're seeing on the wall. You're going to see this energy in, in, in the entire valley or, 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 or just incredible things. You'll see You'll see incredibly the more you set yourself in that state of consciousness. And through that, you learn what those things are. What, what things are? You learn things. Well, you say not to explain it. But after you're done and you go and you write it all down, you learn to explain what those different colors of energy are. Sure, because you, you, it's stunning. It's like I can't teach you specifically what every single thing is because there isn't enough time in life, okay? But I certainly can give you Mandela's, which I'm giving you now, and you can make larger studies of your experiences of dealing with these things, and you're going to come up with the same results that everybody else does. that is there, but yet they see it. Um, I mean, it goes in the same premise as this. 
the human eye is, is oval in shape. We see through, through basically sight. Sight is basically light. Okay, you're, you're seeing not outwards, you're actually seeing something come at you. All of this is projecting, it's like a giant film right now. Just because you can see distance, it doesn't mean your eye is going there, taking it and coming back. This stuff is all moving. Everything is moving in here. It's just how the brain interprets it. And it makes it solidified in your brain. But the truth of the matter is this is all being projected at you from light bouncing off of it. Okay, so the light is, is turning shades of color and the shades of color are creating structure in the brain as it puts all the dots together very quickly. No light bounces off of it. Structure disappears in the human eye. Okay? So you are seeing at the speed of light. Okay? Where the hell am I going with all this? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so by seeing at the speed of light, and I really lost my train of thought. What was the question? question? Right. Well, no, I, I was just saying. Oh, okay. So, so, okay, 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 okay. I feel like uh, uh, Jonathan Pesci or whatever his name is. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> you know when he was in yeah. uh, 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 legal weapon. Legal what? Okay, 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 okay. okay, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so where I was going with all of this when I got lost somewhere on the trail, um, the eye because it is curved, sees it in frequency. This is a frequency that you're seeing. It's, it's light. Light is energy. Energy is, is, is a frequency. Your optic view that bends, that you can see out of the corner of your eye, because it arcs, is going from a pitch of, let's say a vibration, we'll use 35 again, 35, and hairline to the right is 36, 37, 38, 39, 38. 40, 41, 42, 43, 45, higher frequency, 45, 50, so it gets up to 100 here. Now I can barely see my hand, but I can see it. An entity, for instance, or a dimensional structure or something, is usually at a vibration of 200, okay? But what happens is, is that at certain points, the, the energy starts to slow down from 200 down to 100. Or to, or, to, or to 65. And you're writing a paper, or you're sitting down, and all of a sudden you see something move. And you look, and there's nothing there, because you look at a lower octave now. So if you see something, let's keep excited about it. Unless you start training yourself to see correctly, which means you can control the pupil of your eye, you can control the muscles in your eye, and this will narrow and bend the optic frequencies. This is how you see orders. When you look, you don't see more. But when you look and you focus, you see the energy. Well, that energy is the same octave of 100 or higher. So if you can see that energy, you can teach yourself to see even higher octaves because the brain will adapt for you and raise your 35 level up to, a, to whatever level you want. Capiche? So dogs, back to your question, I'm like right on things now. My <laughs> brain started, the other side shut down for a minute. Um, Basically, what happens now is dogs and cats see not at a 35 directly, but at a 100. Do you follow me? And because they see at a 100, they see little dots cruising that are energy dimension stuff that is just perking over, or they'll actually see a being or something. I've seen dogs stand still and growl and hair standing up like they're seeing a human being right there, and they are. 
with that being is, is resonating at like a hundred some octave, which is totally irrelevant to most human beings to see or to even feel or experience. Because remember, not only can you raise your octave with C energy, but you can raise your entire octave because your energy, by thinking about your energy, to experience on the level of that dimension, and all of everything starts focusing. Basically, you can, you can raise all your senses, all the octaves. Right, you're not going to do it right away, but yes. But when meditating, so you can do it easily. But, but again, it's, it's, it's a cute. Listen, if you have energy, if you can acquire energy, and you can put it forth to doing something with it, then you can achieve all these things quickly. This is why I tell you guys to meditate, because the meditation we do isn't just relaxing. It's training you to keep your mind silent. It's training you to breathe slowly. It's training you to control your energy. Most of all, it's collecting energy for you. It's collecting prana, which is why it's universally the best meditation. It's doing everything. And the meditation I need to do is what you show Yes, and that's why you're already having experiences that you're telling me that most people never have in their entire life. Who've meditated for a years. Yesterday I was meditating, I was wasn't doing the same thing. I had my hands like that, and I was just kind of focusing my energy. Like I was focusing on taking the product and building. But that's it fine. That's and fine. And giving it to my friends, right. kind of like that's 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 fine too. But, but work on what I'm showing. All okay. I do is sit there listen to music. That's and it. I'm it. telling you that, that everything else will come. That's all you have to do. Just sit there. That's right. There there is no other way. Listen, if you want to play on on your on your road trip. You have an important meeting to get somewhere, so you're going to get this incredible job opportunity. Are you going to drive and know that you can stop and have cookies and cream and ice cream and take your time? Or do you just want to get to where you're going, get this great job, and buy the place that's making the cookies and creams? Well, I'm meditating. Do I focus on the energy coming in, or I just completely just don't think and just sit there? It doesn't matter. You, you are aware of it. Aware means you don't have to think about it. We don't want thought. You see what I'm saying? You can be aware of something without having to give it thought. Because I already know that when I sit down and I right. Say, I'm right, you'll feel it. You'll just know what's happening. That's all you need to know. I like sounds better than music. So, so I'm just combining my mind with Well, let's put it this way. When you meditate in silence, it's it's like getting a, a manicure when you're getting ready to go rock climbing. Okay? In other words, the reason why we listen to music has a very specific reason. There's logic behind it. Because... If you have silence and you meditate the silence, your mind gets acquainted to that. So every time there's a loud noise or somebody talking or a distraction, your mind very easily breaks to, to what's going on. By having constant irritation, eventually you're so immune to it that you don't even think about it anymore. Your mind is just so willful, so powerfully focused that you can be in psychic combat and nobody's going to distract you or screw your awareness because you're just so trained to be right on target. It's like running with, with 10-pound weights on your legs and your arms. You can run without them and, and get a great cardiovascular workout. You can meditate without music. Or you can meditate with music, which is having the 10 pounds on, and you're going to do it so much that you're going to forget that you have it on. So when it comes to doing something, you're going to have this added strength or ability that you weren't aware of. This is all meticulously been thought out. And the brain is a machine, so we have to psychologically look at the brain and understand how it works. And this is what this, this meditation has been based on was why does the brain do what it does? And what is preventing these people who normally meditate from achieving even higher levels faster? The goal 
is not to just make somebody feel spiritual. The goal is also to train the mind to develop all of these psychic abilities. That's part of the, the game plan. So it's not, it should never be looked at as standard meditation. Standard meditation is great if you want to relax, if you want to find peace within you, if you want to find balance. But we want all of those things, but we also want to discipline our mind so that we can will it to do psychic things or will it to, to leave our body and go places or will it to move energy from our body out or will it to, to censor or analyze somebody or will it to open up a dimensional door, etc., etc., etc. So this is this is part of the, the Iron Man workout rather than just doing one, you know, set of, of, of something. You know, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Basically to be able to train the mind to put up with distraction. That's right. And we, we think that that's right. And it's very important. Right. Uh, because if you think about it, if you're walking in your state of consciousness and all of a sudden you have not thought you have dimensional stuff opening, you see an entity and you got this that. And all of a sudden you see a guy ride by on his bike playing a radio. Your mind's just going to automatically, against your will, just go, Oh, a guy riding his bike with the radio. What's that song? Rolling Stones. Oh, shit. You look around. Everything's collapsed. <laughs> this is why we do what we do. I mean, I, I could go over the entire meditation. Every single specific part has been very well thought out. Um, but it's there for a reason. It doesn't just the positive, like, tone of the music increase your emotions with the, the, the absolutely attracting attracting positive like positively like a positive magnet attracting positive right. what positive. happens when you listen to rock and roll all the time you're just like you want to drink you get you get tired of it you get immune to it right so at first it's good and we don't I don't mind you feel I, I encourage sometimes I do meditation specifically to pump people up and and, and have a really interesting factor but eventually what happens is, is you build certain immunities. And then after a while, it's, the music isn't necessary anymore, and you can't shut it off, but not, not in the beginning. You know, I mean, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a tool. There's nowhere to take them out of We can't mess around together, though. It's fine. Just mess around, walk around, go for a walk, and just try to clear our minds. You guys can go do that on your own. I mean, we'll get some kind of a... Plus three. Well, what did I tell you? Yeah, we can't go around. You can do whatever you want to do, but if you're going to literally take what I'm telling you, there's a reason. My experience tells me that when you're with other people, it doesn't work as well. It's a very personal thing at first. You try and fool your brain. So why guarantee failure? Failure means discouragement. Discouragement means that you'll give up eventually because you can't do it. You know what the number one reason for people not reaching enlightenment or awareness Failure. Failure first leads to discouragement, and they become so discouraged that they stop, you know, working at it. They stop at, at developing, or they'll stop reading it when they were when they were doing so well because they decide for themselves what is successful and what's not. They think that they're supposed to move mountains like within months, and so therefore they're like, well, if I can't do this little thing. Well, then I must not be progressing. They give up. And the point is, is it's the most ridiculous thing. I, I mean. It's, it's sad, but that's how karma weeds out the weak from the strong, I feel. If I was that way when I was younger, I would have never achieved the things that I, I achieved. But discouragement is there for a reason. So, once you are in line, like you, you, you can see how this thing is with us here. We don't distract you because you're strong enough to do that. Right. When you hit a certain pitch uh, and maintain it in order to clear the mind, 
arms are a very specific sound pitch that soothes and creates a certain state of consciousness that's very similar to meditating for long periods of time, so it's done very quickly. Certain states of consciousness that is a byproduct of doing an arm allows your mind to, to do things. Doing alms before you do the dimensional walking will help you do dimensional walking faster. Everything that we do is an exercise to assist us in our spiritual growth or our psychic abilities or to enhance these abilities we have. So we do alms like somebody would say, well, if they're an athlete, they run every day, but they also eat raw eggs to assist them to even get to what they're doing faster. You get to that from the energy that the, the pitch of the arm The arms creates a certain feeling that makes you have non-thought. Is that in any relation with arms at all? Ohms, arms, we call them arms. Some people call them It's the same, it's it's the same thing. Okay. okay. Um, the second byproduct of doing this when we do this is we were talking about dimensions. Well, when you do alms, you create a dimensional vortex in essence. You create a dimension under the right circumstances at the right moment. You are likely to draw what appears to be entities in, and they will do the alms with you. You will actually hear them uh, a very defined singular voice joining in on the arm that will definitely be from nowhere physically. How do you do it? Well, we're going to do that in a minute. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, it's, it's excellent in that way also. It creates what I would consider perfect tonal. Um, it, it makes you resonate at an excellent state of mind when you're all done. You'll feel relaxed. You'll feel like you just meditated. Um, alms can be used to remove entities, negative forces. It's not so much the sound. The sound is what's raising your tonal, okay? But your tonal is an energy, and the energy starts to expand and grow into a room. A lot of times you'll do alms in a very cold room, and within 10 minutes, it's like 13 to 20 degrees warmer, literally. I mean, people will be sweating, and you'll walk around the room, it's hot. Um, so it's good to purify energy. Alms are, are used for places that have really bad energy that's impacted into the furniture, into the walls, and you walk in, you're like, ooh, I don't like this. And you'll do like 10 alms, and if they're done well, because you're going to learn there's good alms and there's bad alms, um, it will permeate everything so much by intensifying the vibration and the energy into it. It washes everything so that it has a high vibration. And when you walk in then, people are going to be like, wow, this place feels really good. Alms, when they are done perfectly, will create a ring sound, much like what is on a wine glass when you run your fingers circular. You will hear like a That is a perfect alm. That's what you are striving to achieve is a perfect alm, which can only be done with at least a minimal of two people, but best with four. Okay? Um, it's that ringing sound that you're trying to achieve. So... Alms are very powerful in their own way. Um, any questions? I was going to say, in that case, um, it's helpful.
points that, that people will say are higher or lower, but we, we choose to use them all. So, go ahead. <coughs>
have people ask us, where is the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the Foundation Meditation System. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development, and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com, to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at Higher Balance Institute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. Meditation. It's more than just relaxation. There are different kinds of meditation, just like there are different tools to do a job. Finding the right kind of meditation will decide whether you awaken or whether you just simply drift. Energy. More than just a thought, but of movement that you can literally feel through your body. Visions. More than a faded idea within your consciousness, but rather a vivid reality so clear it'll make you question reality itself. Meditation, if used properly, will show you how to move the currents of your mind into a better life, a more prosperous life, consciousness expanding, memory improvement, inner balance, higher balance. Most of all, discover who and what you are and what you can do. Join us at Higher Balance Institute. We'll help change your world. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio.